What is up, y'all? This is Scarlett, a.k.a. Scardi B, a.k.a. your resident emo historian. And join me as I unpack the history of Fall Out Boy and hip-hop. Look, y'all, there is a lot to cover in this limited-run podcast. So strap on in, because sugar, we're going in. What is up, y'all? It is your girl, Scarlett, a.k.a. Scardi V, and you are listening to Sugar for Going In. How are you? You doing okay? And if not, I love you, and I hope it gets better, and thanks for kicking it with me for a little bit. But y'all, this is the first episode back from Fall Out Boy's Tour Dust. Um, I had to make a whole separate episode about it. It's called State of the Scene, and a love letter to you. It's a little bonus episode. Um, just to accurately say thank you to everyone who said hello. I met some of y'all in New York and Boston and both uh, Jersey dates at the end of the tour there, but thank you so much for making my day. Like, you know how in Tiffany Blues, Patrick goes, I'm not a crybaby. I'm the crybaby. Yeah, uh, that's me. And that's how y'all got me in my fucking feelings. But also at the New York show, Travi motherfucking McCoy came out and did Stereo Hearts and Cupid's Chokehold with the band. Um, and it was just such a beautiful, glorious moment. If you missed that, please go back and listen. Uh, there's even a clip of me just during Cupid's Chokehold, just screaming, hip hop history. Like I literally had no words to accurately explain what was going through my mind at the time, but what an amazing tour. Definitely the best in the 16 years that I've been going to these shows. Um, they really outdid themselves. They looked healthy and happy and just did some motherfucking monster tracks um, on that tour, ending with Pavlov. You guys, we got Pavlov and I've never been happier. I am so happy to be alive too. <laughs> experience that um IRL so sick tour dust and here's some 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 general housekeeping I mean I just had an interview with DJ Slink who if you haven't listened to it is the Jersey Club DJ who remixed uh Cubit's Chokehold officially this year April 2003 23, um, the club mix of Cupid's Chokehold came out and it is fucking sauced. So I got to talk to him for a little about his influences, his work with Gym Class Heroes, and what's the art of a good remix? Like what stays, what goes? We even sang Aerosmith. So if you've got a few minutes, that's definitely a great interview to get into. And that is that. Stickers. We have stickers. I have stickers and I hope to give them to you. Um, I'm starting my mailing list. If you head over to the show notes, um, you can sign up to the mailing list. And if you feel comfy, you can email me your address and I would love to send you some stickers and a thank you note. So get on that. Fan Friday. We did launch the first Fan Friday with Kayla Moreno. Thank you so much, Kayla, for being our first Fan Friday. So if you're interested in having an episode of Sugar We're Going In with me, um, please fill out the Google form also in the show notes. Um, And I'd be more than happy to get that scheduled with you. Speaking of fans, my God, you guys, Sugar We're Going In just passed one thousand downloads oh my god like thank you like i would have never in a million trillion years 
think that, you know, two months into this project, we'd be crossing this huge milestone. And it's all because of you. Y'all are sharing. And please continue to share, continue to like, subscribe, to review it. It helps so much on Apple Podcasts if you review it. And those who have left a review, thank you so, so much. I post them on the podcast Instagram just because they do mean a ton. And it's not just me bragging. It's not. I promise. Um, Speaking of loving on your community, um, I hope you know that I'm not always right. Welcome back to Corrections Corner, y'all. Okay, so that Patrick article from the Songwriter Mag uh, was 2008, not 2014. I don't know what the fuck I said there and numbers. Um, I also got a, a tidbit from Travi who wanted to set the record straight. Okay, so Alan Ferguson was brought out of retirement from making music videos by Gym Class Heroes. So I'm sure we'll get that story later. Travi, lean in. This is me asking you to come on the podcast. I know you're a busy man and you're touring, but we got shit to talk about. Okay. And finally, I missed something crazy um, on the 2006 Part 2 episode, which is uh, a remix of Viva La White Girl uh, featuring Lil Wayne um, that never hit the streaming services, but is an actual thing. It's only on YouTube right now, so please listen to it. It is so fucking good. And Lil Wayne plays a big, big part in 2007 and 8, um, going through the Fallout Boy history of them with hip hop. So without further ado, y'all, I am so goddamn excited right now because we have made it to 2007. The holiest of times, y'all. It is the year that Infinity on High came out and so much happened. I mean, I've been racking my brain about what to prioritize. So I did it. This is going to be two parts. I'm sorry. You're welcome. I don't care. Like, this is so important. Um, Really the year that inspired uh, this podcast to come together. Um, So I wanted to do it justice. Um, So let's let's kick off. All right. Imagine this, y'all. The day is November 16th, 2006. You open falloutboyrock.com, if you know, you know, and there is a video posted and you see Pete and Hemingway just sitting, chilling, hanging out. And then Pete gets a call. Star, video star. Yes, you are. Hello? Hey, Pete, it's Rob. What's going on, Rob? So, yeah, I haven't heard from you guys. I'm just calling to see what's going on. Yeah, we're just working on songs, so that's why we haven't really checked in, you know. We're kind of, we're switching it up a little. Uh, what do you mean you're switching it up? What are you trying to do to me here? We need a record. We need a Fall Out Boy record. Ah, uh, it's a bit of a departure. You know, I don't know. Same, uh, <laughs> same stuff, just, you know, sexied up kind of. It's just, this whole pop punk thing is kind of just over, you know. Uh, it's stale. Stale? Three words. Panic at the disco. Well, it's... Just not selling enough records, really. I think we're gonna, you know, we're watching this R&B stuff, and you know, they sell records. R&B? Are you on drugs? <laughs> Listen, Rob. Two words. Three words. Baby face. Baby face. We're gonna do. Gonna we're gonna do it. Yeah, Rob. Put on your fucking glasses. I have a vision. All right. My glasses are on, and honestly, what I'm seeing is train wreck. You'll hear the songs. Baby it's fucking. No Choreography. Who's fucking bottles of bub. Fucking dogs. The whole thing. Rob. Pete. Rob! Pete! 
I'm the fucking artist. I really love that. He's fighting with Rob from their team. And my favorite part is three words, baby face. <laughs> like, what? Now, this is an audio medium. So what you don't see is Fallout Boy appear in all white outfits, chains, Tim's, and even do a two-step in sync. Now the screen snaps to white with the words Fallout Boy on it, and we see a hand come in and scratch out boy to write boys above. This is how Fallout Boy announced Infinity on High in stores February 6, 2007. By being a boy band, by just absolutely crushing, and who knows if it was parody for real, like, or a little bit of everything, but holy shit, if you haven't watched this, I'll post it on the pod's Instagram, but it is so critical, and I'll also share it in the show notes. Um, Probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and every once in a while, my brain reminds me of it, and I'm extremely happy. So Infinity on High is Fall Out Boy's second major label release from Under the Cork Tree in 2005 being the first one. And it leaked two weeks early. Now, here is a clip of Patrick on Friends or Enemies, uh, th- this blog that they had um, talking about the leak. They leaked the record. And that's totally cool and all, but I don't even have the record. Though. It's okay. No, it's cool. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm glad people are downloading it. I'm glad people are like interested in the record. It's, it's more about like about like just people, you know, wanting it. Wanting it. That's like yeah. that's huge, you know what I mean? That anyone wants to even leak it. But I'm like bummed because I'm like, well, I don't care. Now linking albums was not that out of the question back then. Um, word on the streets were and the streets being the Fall Out Boy message birds, you're, you know the vibes, um, said that maybe because it was leaked, it would come out a week early, which it didn't because we are not authorities in any of that. Interestingly enough, in like the history of leaked albums, Infinity on High was the final leak from Rabbit Neuroses, a Juarez um, organization responsible for leaking 20 thousand albums before their release and infinity on high was the last one that they got out before they got shut down now isn't that absolutely insane i mean again leaking albums was a form of yo the screets they want it they want to be able to hear it and even patrick was like i'm just (laughs) happy that people want it that bad and that people are looking forward to having it um, regardless of the medium they're getting it from I think others, you know, held that feeling a little bit more to the chest um, because this album just wasn't a new album. It marked a new era for Fall Out Boy. Now, instead of these songs about hips and lips, um, (laughs) somebody, uh, Holloway, Franz Foley um, on Instagram, shout out to you, put it as Thriller is a brag rap song. Um, Infidion High is the rock equivalent of a diss track to the scene, specifically Thriller, to kick this off. I'll have you know this is backed the fuck up by critics. Now, Sasha Frere Jones of The New Yorker felt that much of the lyrics addressed the band's rise to fame and the pressures of maintaining a loyal fan base. They commented that the only top 10 acts that talk about fame as much as Fall Out Boy does are rappers. 
Although their take on selling records is less conflicted. The parallels do not stop there, y'all. Like, while writing this album, Pete drew a lot of lyrical inspiration from Lil Wayne, who he called the best lyricist of 2006. When he was talking about Infinity on High's, like, lyrical themes, Pete stated, on that last record, the lyrics were about, this is where we're going to be a year from now, and this is what you're going to be saying about us. But this time, we realized that a lot of bands should spend a lot less time running their mouths and more time writing their fucking songs. He didn't say fucking. I added that because I fucking felt that. Spoken like a true G, Peter. Okay, and Lil Wayne, this will not be the first or last time he is in the world of Fall Out Boy. Now, Lil Wayne will feature on Tiffany Blues and Folia Do, their next uh, album, Um, and also had a remix for America's Sweethearts, but only one got the official release. I think the other one's on YouTube. I'll make sure to tap into it when we get to 2008. This is all because Pete has always identified closely with Lil Wayne. I mean, Pete's even gone ahead to call Lil Wayne emo. Here's the biggie, right? I've been on the internet (laughs) and I've researched for hours and hours, but... I can't work it out. Mm. Guys, what's emo? <laughs> we get told we are, we're emo all the time. Right. That you? matters. I don't know. <laughs> I You're know, adding to my... I know that the, the word is short for emotional. Right. Yep. How emotional do you think you have to be to be emo? I don't know. I think like Lil Wayne is like probably like the biggest emo star I know. Okay. Is he I fairly mean, emotional? Kind of. I mean, he talks about killing people and dyeing the wood in his car the, the color of their blood and stuff. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> I'd like to think that that interview was like, oh, yes, of course, Lil Wayne is emo. <laughs> that's about as much accent as you're going to get out of me. But anyway, Pete tells rap magazine xxl the most emo music that's come out over the last year has been rap everything from the new jay-z record to kanye lil wayne is pretty much emo everyone who kind of delves in deep enough is emo so lil wayne emo jay-z emo fitisa emo like when you come to terms with emotional dark terms, I mean, that's what a lot of rap was back then. So I definitely see the parallels. Some people might have thought it was funny. I mean, even in like the blogs that I was pulling this stuff from, there were comments from like back in 2007 being like, dumb, weird, no, wrong, so wrong. <laughs> I don't know why I just became Um, but I think that the the understanding, like hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously, um, but I do think that they were definitely onto something with kind of bridging the worlds of themes and lyrics um, instead of what you heard it be delivered by, which is music, melody, instruments. Ooh, okay, we're back a little, little ADHD spiral there, but we're back. Okay, um, let's talk about the singles on Infinity on High. The Carpal Tunnel of Love was the first one, and it was released December 12, 2006, ahead of the album release. Um, it did okay. The music video was really cool. It was Happy Tree Friends. We all know the vibes. Great song. The second single was what really popped off, at least 
radio and commercially um that's this ain't a scene it's an arms race it was released january 16th 2007 which was the single directly before the album release in february um thanks for the memories followed in march 27th of 2007 the takeover the breaks over july 2nd of 2007 and then rounding it out with i'm like a lawyer with the way i'm always trying to get you off me and you released september 11th 2007 the singles were international hits, okay? So it made Infinity on High a huge hit. It had surprises in its guests and its features. And, okay, what? Surprising because, wow, you know, like, these people are fucking with these white guys. And, yes, they were indeed fucking with these white guys. But, really, it's, like, three white guys and, like, a white passing guy. Let's be for fucking real. Anyway, the process. Look. Upon listening to the finished tracks, uh, the band talked about how they pick who they will want to work with. Um, the members selected guest appearances they felt would work with the songs, um, and the group really aimed for the stars. Um, on its choices with collaborators, uh, Pete even stated, I want to bring in people who no one would expect. This year, it's like, we made some new friends like Lil Wayne or let's get Jay-Z on there. With guest appearances recorded, tracked, mastered, um, the release of Infinity on High was complete. Um, it was celebrated by uh, three shows in one day. I remember, like, actually watching MTV as this happened, like, IRL. Um, they celebrated with three shows in one day. They started in New York. They did one in Chicago and ended it in L.A., fucking crazy now the launch with new york was during trl's spanking new music week and i have some really awesome clips from this recording um shout out to a dance alone heart because they have over 350 gigabytes of fallout boy archive and have really been doing incredible work and were very very kind um to send me this trl episode so i can have these clips uh where they talk about some of their favorite hip-hop acts gym class heroes comes out um and we were introduced to the rockefeller chains Okay, because oh, Patrick wore his. Ah! Okay, wait, wait, listen to this. Really good video and a great song too. But I heard uh, Jay Z hooked you guys up with some with a gift or something. Show it off, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Can we get a close-up of that. There it is, the rock. Very nice. Wow, very nice. Yeah, we feel pretty honored for sure. Again, thank you so much to at Dance Alone Heart um, for that, because I really only had the pictures, especially the one iconically of Patrick just holding the the necklace up with his two thumbs. <laughs> so, yes, in late 2006, early 2007, I don't fucking know. Um, at one point, Jay-Z gave Fall Out Boy Rockefeller chains. Um, and, and let's unpack because I feel like Okay, somewhere Pete's spidey senses are going off with me talking about this right now, and I feel like I'm really going to get told about myself, but here's what I know. So here's some more context on the chains from Pete's Hype Man interview. Um, he goes, at some point they were like, Jay wants to give you guys rock pieces, and we were like, okay, cool. And they were like, wink, wink, they're the real ones because they're getting polished, and they don't polish the fake ones. So the chains are laid out and someone went to reach for it. And Jay was like, no, 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 no. I got to chain you. 
And so he put them on all of us. And after he put them on, he was like, I gave you the girl ones because the real ones would look weird on you guys. We just thought we were going to like hang out or something. And when, and we walked in and the chains were there and we were just like, ah, what? (laughs) So the ceremony, okay. Uh, The chains are laid out and someone reached for it. I need to know who I feel like it was Pete because he's excitable, but I could also see it being Joe, maybe Andy. I think Patrick would have definitely waited for everybody else to get his because he's a good Midwestern boy. Um, So I would just love to know who reached out first because that's very fucking funny. And I also learned that Pete will not give his to his kids. He said that Jay has to come and do it himself. Well, you know what? That's I fucking respect that. Like I you can't knight somebody else like you got to get knighted by the source. Go to the source. And just to give you some context, some other people with Rockefeller chains include DJ Khaled, Kanye, Currency, Beyonce, J. Cole, Freeway, Memphis Bleak, Cameron. So it's a pretty big deal. And now the list goes DJ Khaled. Joe Troman, Kanye, Currency, Andy Hurley, Beyonce, Patrick Stump, J. Cole, Freeway, Pete Wentz, Memphis Bleak, Cameron, dot, dot, dot. The list got really fucking crazy. Whew, okay, enough about these chains. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do wish to one day see them. Maybe one day, please. Um, but until then, let's put a pin in that because... We've finally reached the actual collaborations. Can you actually believe it? Um, The album opens with Thriller, a tongue-in-cheek title for the best. We made it. I'm so sad. I'm so hot. And I love you. And I hate myself song of all fucking time. Thriller starts with Pete and Patrick whispering reviews from From Under the Cork Tree when Jay-Z kicks us off with a monologue. Pete told MTV News, it's so important to begin strong, and I don't think you can start much stronger than this. This is a message recorded directly to our fans. It's one of the few times on the record where we speak directly to them, and I think it's amazing that Jay is having a conversation with our fans. Also, it's a snapshot of where we are right now, and years from now, when I'm laying in some gutter somewhere, Jay-Z will still be on the record. Ugh, that part about being in a gutter a year from now just made me really sad i mean i understood what he was trying to say um but pete just really glad you're not in a gutter somewhere you're doing great hon hang in there jay-z recorded his contribution while on tour in australia and sent it to the band because of its strong message fallout boy used it in this first opening track of the album Patrick on the cover story for the Illinois Entertainer back in March of 2007 um, said, so with the Jay-Z thing, uh, we all kind of sat down. First off, he sends us the tracks and we're all sitting there in awe. Jay-Z just said something about Fall Out Boy. That's crazy. 
But I think more than anything, it still is the four of us, the four of us with Jay-Z rather than one of us uh, appearing on his album. (laughs) He's talking about him. Um, So that's what I meant by that. Um, It's still us versus the world. I don't think we're at the point yet where it's us versus each other. (sighs) All right, Patrick, thanks. Now, what we hear on the album and what was received are two very different things. Pete on the Hype Man interview said that there were other options for the audio that didn't quite make the cut. I'm calling him and me and Patrick are sitting there. Yeah. He he answers the phone. He's like, what up? This is Hope. I was like, ah! <laughs> you don't even game, know what to say. Game <laughs> over. You know, like, that's like the plan. Like, you know, there's no plan <laughs> yeah. for that. Like, I didn't think of Hope. And he's, and he's like, what, well, what do you want me to say? You know, or what do you want? Because we decided, like, we wanted, like, ad-libs or whatever. And, yeah. and he, was, he was like, what do you want me to say? And we're like, Jay-Z's asking us what <laughs> we know. Like, and we had to, like, just be like, yeah, trust us. Whatever you say is going to be infinitely cooler than what yeah. we right. So he sends us a, a version with all of these, you know, full of ad-libs, and... <laughs> Wait, so you have, like, a CD of, uh, uh, like... Oh, yeah, but awesome ones, oh. just, like, you know, awesome. <gasps> really? And there's one take in it where he goes, what up? It's Fallout Boy, N-bomb. Oh. <laughs> and we were like, well, we were, we were rationalizing it in our heads. Oh. Like, we were like, well, DJ said it, so... And then it's not technically that, you guys. Yeah, so, but we ne- never has been heard by anyone ever. No, but, but he does do a vocal. Yeah. Could you fucking imagine? Also, the fact that this exists, I am... This is what I live for. This is... Oh, God, that's so amazing. Anyway... So I know what you're thinking. How exactly do you even gate Jay-Z on an album? And Jay-Z was the president of Def Jam at the time that Fall Out Boy was signed to. And Pete told NME how he still got nervous around the rapper, um, but he had to get past that. He goes, it took a lot of convincing more than anything. We had to pin him down as he is a busy man, but it's the perfect way to start the album and it really sets the tone. He also tells the story about what it was like working with him. He says it was insane. We called him and thought we were going to talk to like his assistant. And then he answers the phone like, yo, this is Hove. And we were like, um, it just happened like that. And it was pretty crazy. Once they got in touch with him, he recorded his introduction to the album's opening while on tour in Australia and sent it to the band who later put it in the album. Pete continues and goes, I think he recorded some of it in Australia while we were sleeping. It's really insane. In another NME article in 2006 by, ooh, staff writer, wow, um... They're getting as much work as AI is right now. Wild. Anyway, so in the article, Pete says, look, don't hold your breath waiting for him, Jay-Z, to break out the eyeliner and scene hair. I think he's just a smart dude. He appreciates the energy some of of the bands in our scene bring. I think he also likes the viral marketing that goes on here. But that doesn't mean we wouldn't love to do something more with him. Let's be honest. His new record just dropped, so I'm going to guess he's a pretty busy guy. Never say never, though. You can always hope. Hope that Jay-Z wears some skinny jeans and ask for your eyeliner? I would love to see it. Mm. 
And this is probably the only good time to bring this up. Um, But there is a My Chemical Romance reference on Jay-Z's song, Oh My God, off his 2006 album, Kingdom Come. It goes, I got a chemical romance, two left feet. So now I dance with the devil. Please, G-O-D, save me from the Black Parade. Release me. What? (laughs) Jay-Z. Thank you for your service. You will always be an honorary emo with me. Young FOB. Let's go. Thriller ends with an iconic hove laugh and a triumphant let's fucking go ending from Jay-Z. But it doesn't stop there. Did you peep this? Because we need to talk about something. Thriller, a song featuring Jay-Z, goes into the takes over the breaks over named after a Jay-Z lyric. My mind is exploded. Yup, this Fall Out Boy song, the next song on the album, the song title is a direct rip from Jay-Z's takeover off the album The Blueprint released in 2001. It's even in quotes and everything. I'm shook. I mean, go into your streaming services, go into your CDs, like, Look at this. It is Jay-Z followed by Jay-Z. So why is Takeover important? Takeover is one of rap's most amazing diss tracks. It is an announcement, an arrival of greatness. Uh, The Blueprint is an all-time great rap album. I mean, this is just a fact. And it's not unlike this ain't a scene that calls out fellow artists in this battle for fame and attention and in the pop punk emo scene of, you know, the late, you know, 2000s. And I think this song is very tongue in cheek. Um, I feel like it feels like a boy poking at the girl he likes with a stick, like being like, oh, you can frown and moan, but and, and avoid this. But, you know, you're obsessed with me back and that it's an inevitable and maybe this is how they felt about their career or their counterparts at the time hmm my favorite part of research is re-watching all these music videos um for for actual research purposes and not just to annoy my boyfriend um the music video for take over the breaks over features Black Break Dancers, which again, I had not seen um, since Dance Dance. And I just gasped because again, we're talking really amazing representation um, in these music videos that just went over my head, but obviously deeply (laughs) seeped into my being. And this track list uh, on the album Infinite and High is full of bangers because after Take Over the Breaks Over, is everybody and their mama's favorite this ain't a scene it's an arms race did you know that that closing sing-along in this in a scene it's an arms race was influenced by justin timberlake's senorita i screamed when i finally heard it back to back and it just makes so much sense Patrick called This Ain't a Scene, It's an Arms Race, the funkiest thing we've ever done, and attributes the change in musical style to his love of soul music, which he acquired by listening to oldies stations as a child. Pete also describes the song as a bit of 70s funk mixed with the band's 2003 album, Take This to Your Grave. Tight verses, big fat choruses, and again, the closing sing-along influenced by Justin Timberlake's Senorita. Everything 2007 could have ever needed and wanted. 
I remember the music video for many, many reasons, but mostly for that scene where they're in that like dimly lit like studio and like the magazine spins in and it goes fallout boy records with hip hop super producer. And it's like a picture of Patrick and Pete. Um, and most importantly, this scene is so iconic. No pun intended. Cause we get Patrick stumps like peak meme performing face. Like that is the face you make when you're impersonating Patrick. I mean, I know it's all hyperbole, but boy, howdy, was it so good and so funny. And then at one point, you know, everybody's looking at Pat, at, you know, Patrick and follow boy, like who the fuck are these white guys until the chorus kicks in, they're fucking ripping, you know, the people around them in like do rags and chains are feeling it now until Joe uh, does a spin and knocks into this dude's 40 and they were fucking pissed and about to get the shit beat out of them. Beautiful, iconic, poetic. Anyway, enough about the best music video of all time. It's time to talk about I'm like a lawyer with the way I'm always trying to get you off me and you. I say it with just such Ah, in my voice because god the the vocals on this one and the instrumentation and the production on this one um captivated me the second the first time i heard it and learning more into the production of this album um and its contributors it made so much sense that babyface is the one who produced this now um, Corey, a part of all music compared Babyface's um, track and, and work on this song to Maroon 5. And Pete even goes on to characterize Patrick's vocal performance on this song as straight up Motown. So on top of it being an incredible song, uh, the music video was shot in Uganda um, and features a love story between two children um, in the middle of a war. Um, And it's just incredibly touching and beautiful. And I think it came out September 11th um, on like it was like a live debut on um, MTV. And I remember watching it after school and there was dead silence after that video ended if you haven't watched it please go do so um there was not a dry eye I'm pretty sure Patrick was crying like there was no doubt everybody was sniffling it was such a beautiful soundtrack to this story of you know hope and resistance and um just the realities of people um who aren't here um and how they get affected in such bigger ways So that was just a beautiful little button um, to that gorgeous song. Um, Next on the track list is Hum Hallelujah and Golden, which, guys, can we have a fucking second to stop crying? Um, Because it continues throughout these next two songs. Um, And then comes Thanks for the Memories, the ultra huge gigantic hit also produced by Babyface. Thanks for the memories. Visuals was directed by Alan Ferguson, our guy holding it down and features a very young Kim Kardashian. Um, That is always my favorite fact. And it's like, did you know that Kim Kardashian makes out with Pete Wentz and thanks for the memories? And the answer is always like, no. And also, please leave me alone. Um, That's usually them to me just spewing fallout boy lore. 
Now, with these two gigantic tracks with Fall Out Boy under his belt, um, I kind of wanted to take a step back and talk about Kenneth Bryan Edmonds, better known as Babyface. He is a singer, songwriter, record producer. He's written and produced over 26 number one R&B hits, um, has won like 12 Grammys, and was ranked number 20 on NME's 50 of the greatest producers ever list. Um, being from Philly, I have to shout this out just to understand the uh, how huge it is to be working with Babyface. He produced Boys to Men's End of the Road in 1992 and I'll Make Love to You in 1994, both which established for the longest records to stay at number one, um, which is just so incredible. Shout out Babyface and thank you, for Boys to Men, for being Boys to Men. Yeah. I'll post my picture with boys to men because I go and see them every year for my birthday. It's very important to my well-being. So while writing the album, um, Fall Out Boy started searching for their potential producers. Um, they personally sought out Babyface because they admired his work on the 2001 film version of Josie and the Pussycats. Um, Pete says that it sounded like rock music by someone who doesn't have traditional roles uh, for rock music. And we tried to figure out who it was, and it was Babyface. Thanks to Pete and his mouth full of manifestation, Babyface saw one of these interviews in which they talked about wanting to work with him and contacted them. So go crazy, go stupid, go wild. I love this for y'all. And not to mention I'm trying to do the same, you know what I mean? In that cover story for the Illinois Entertainer, uh, Patrick also talks about working with Babyface. He said, when we did the Babyface stuff, very casual, um, he says, and it ultimately came down to a scheduling thing. I wanted Neil, Neil Avron, their other producer, to be there too. Um, when we sit down to record, he's a big part of it. So I wanted Fall Out Boy meets Babyface and not like a couple figureheads from the band go out and meet with the guy. He wanted it to be collaborative. Patrick also commented on what it was like working with Babyface, and he said he would kind of be like, yeah, why don't you try something like this? And he would sing something like it was Babyface, you know, and it would be astounding. Like, I'd be like, I'll try and, and see what I can do, man. But it was really cool and a fun, fun record to make. The impact that Babyface being on Fall Out Boy's record um, to this day, 16 years later, is ringing strong. Just this year, Babyface did his tiny desk. And not only is it my one of my favorite tiny desks, he did Thanks for the Memories on it. And I got to give y'all context, okay? So tiny desk, you get about three songs that you get to pick out of your entire repertoire. You already heard what Babyface has done back in the day. And for Thanks for the Memories to be one of those songs, um, I got really emotional watching that. I mean, I remember I was doing my morning show here at my job job and Lord Jesus, what I'm telling you, I got like six missed calls. People were texting me like, have you watched this? And I hadn't. And I literally made the production shut down after we were done um, and immediately turn it on this huge screen that was in front of me basically as like our teleprompter and watching it in absolute awe. I was vibrating the rest of the day because again, like 
out of all the songs in your entire repertoire of being one of the best producers in the entire world, um, that meant that Thanks for the Memories meant something very special to him. Um, and they absolutely, him and the background singers absolutely ate and just showed what amazing R&B does um, to music history and absolutely how influential that specific song is. Patrick, you did the damn thing, baby. Like if Babyface is putting a stamp as like a song that he really loves and he cherishes it enough to be part of this historical moment for his career, um, something was really, really done well there. Finally, Babyface was kind of like the fifth Fallout Boy, okay? So he played the mandolin on Thanks for the Memories and the B3 organ on I'm Like a Lawyer. Um, and, and I just think it's it's really amazing, again, how he was able to bring everything that he's good at, bring it to the table, and be able to collaborate with the band in such a impactful way. Thank you, Babyface. I love you, Babyface. Y'all, with that, we are out of time and I am out of breath. I mean, I hope that I did the year 2007 justice, especially when talking about Infinity on High. Next time on Sugar, we're going in. We're talking the VMA suite with Rihanna, the remixes, including Kanye, the mashups, and one and only the song they did with Timbaland on the album Shock Value and so much more. I mean, that's just a small overview, so I don't go into a complete tangent right now. Um, but please, a reminder, sign up for the mailing list. I'll send you all the, the links to the interviews from Pete and Patrick on Hype Men. Um, I'll send you all the ability to get some stickers and be on Fan Friday. And I want to do a giveaway soon. So just start putting some thought into that, into signing up so that y'all can be a part of these giveaways. Finally, holy shit, you guys, like y'all got me over 400 followers. Now let's get me to a thousand. So follow the follow the Instagram sugar. We're going in. Uh, share it with a friend. I be memeing. I be posting and I always answer my DMs. So please hit me up. Let's chat. Let's be friends. And let's really leave it off um, on an on brand way. In the words of Jay-Z, thanks for coming out tonight. Y'all could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. We just went the fuck in. Thank you for listening to Sugar We're Going In, the only podcast about Fall Out Boy and hip-hop. Until next time, y'all, take care of yourselves, take care of others, and be kind. Bye! Let's go.